0: Good evening, and welcome to Spirit Radio. I am your host, Willie Hassel. Along with my co-host, Lynn Nickerson, we will take you on a journey, a journey into the unknown, where the paranormal becomes the normal. A journey to a world cloaked in darkness, where reality becomes a thin veil. So sit back, relax, and join us as we venture into the shadows, the darkness, the unknown, and back. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Spirit Radio, the paranormal experience. I'm Willie Hassel, along with the lovely, the mystical Lynn Nickerson. Good
1: evening, Willie. How are you?
0: you? I'm doing good. Good. I'm doing good. What a beautiful day it was today, huh?
1: Yeah, in the 60s. How strange.
0: Very strange. But hey, we have a great guest with us tonight. Yes, we do. He is the author of 15 paranormal books. How? That's incredible. I know it. That's a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> He's been featured on a number of television shows on the Travel Channel, Destination America, and the Biography Channel, and he is also currently a producer for Travel Channel's a hunting series. And he is our good friend Sam Belltrusis. Welcome to the show, Sam.
1: Welcome, Sam. Thank good you to see for you. Having me again. Pleasure. Oh, thank always you for a pleasure. Being
0: here. <laughs> it's always great to see you.
1: A veritable resource of information. So, you've been having a pretty darn good year in many aspects. Um, I wanted to go over your accomplishments to make everybody aware of what you've been doing. Uh, you just recently released a book called *Ghost: of the American Revolution, and that was up for two nominations, which was Book of the Year and in the category, of the Best Contributor of the Year. Is that right? And then your Che Derve, which is the Curse of Liz- Lizzie Borden, the documentary. And that was nominated for, what, the best paranormal documentary, actually? Shock Doc? Shock Doc? Yeah. Yeah, so right? yeah
2: the, so it, the, the Paranormal Awards, which I really have no idea who's part of the Paranormal Awards <laughs> or how it was nominated. But, <laughs> but they
1: like you, is the point.
0: Yeah, you know? exactly.
2: I was like, oh, this is great. I have no idea what this is, but this is great. Yeah, the docu- I'll take it. Yeah, so the documentary was uh, nominated as, lo- as well as my book, Ghost of the American Revolution. And yeah. then also... Um, Contributor of the Year. I'm not sure what what contributions were nominated, but I was they didn't
1: make that clear huh?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you'll take it anyway, I'll take it anyway, because really it's, it's another an honor. F- Thank you so much it for is. nominating me.
1: Yeah, it's a feather in your cap <laughs> and then you've got like 15 books to date and What I'd really like to get into in just a minute is your role as producer on a haunting um, That's that's was fascinating and you also had um, a podcast with uh, Joni Mahan called Paranormal Rewind. And that can be found on your website.
2: Yes. Yeah, so if you go to ParanormalRewind.com, I have all the archives for the past oh. two years. It's okay. kind of like my COVID project. So it actually got me through COVID. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah Doing this radio show for everybody. I know what you're saying. Exactly. And then you started uh, your newest one, which is the Haunted Hotels podcast. Right. And I did see that. The, your latest one with um, Ryan Buell. Right. That was really fascinating. Um, and then you did, of course, your, <clears throat> your documentary on Lizzie, and I'm hoping to, to learn a little bit more about that in the second half of the show. Sure. So in quizzing you, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to start at the beginning and get an idea of, well, you were clairvoyant as a child. Did you see and sense ghosts as a child?
2: I did. So I, um, I was like the kid from The Shining. Um, so I felt like, oh. like, uh, uh, like I felt like there was definitely stuff happening. My grandfather was the first person I, I saw when I was a child, and he had passed. He had passed, yeah. and he was. And so I, I was. I thought I was normal, uh, and then <laughs> I put on what we call um, paranormal blinders. I was so scared about a situation that happened uh, when I was a kid to the point where I mm-hmm. blocked it out, uh, mm-hmm. and. To, to give you some insight, like I've I've kind of gone back uh, back home to Florida, where's where this, this took place, and it's something that's been kind of haunting me most of my life. And it's a man wearing a hat when I was a child. Um, wow, well, it so goes
1: back that far. It was
2: back that far, uh, wow. and so my sister and I were just talking during the holidays, and I'm like, do you, like, do you remember this house, this old house? And I mean, there was, we had this huge like bay window that was looking out to the to the the front yard, and I remember seeing <coughs> seeing something in the window with red glowing eyes when I was a kid, and that terrified me, and I just kind of shut down. Uh, and I had a, multiple experiences in that mm-hmm. house when I was a kid. So Did your
1: sister ever see that?
2: She so she and I talked about it, and she said I felt like there was always something in the window looking at me as well, and so. Uh, Having my sister, like, kind of bring it up and, you know, I, it was like one of those things that we never talked about, but I'm like, did you experience something in the house? She, I did. And there were situations where she, um, she, she has epilepsy, so she, like, when she was a child, she had epilepsy. So she had situations where she was, like, running around, like, what may have been, like, uh, something, a reaction to the medicine that she was on, but looking back on it, it may have been paranormal-related. Um, just because I, there was stuff that happened it was just, beyond, like, unbelievable. Uh, with her when I was a child.
1: Were you there? I mean, did you participate in the experience or did you right. relate well that I mean, to you? She
2: was having like a, um, so a reaction to the medicine, which is what the oh. doctor said. Uh, so she would have a seizure. Um, she chased me around with a pencil and was like gonna stab me with a pencil. <laughs> So, do you feel
1: persecuted
2: or what? <laughs> and I'm like, the fact that we're related to Lizzie Borden makes complete sense now. And I'm like, I'm like, no I'm like Angie, it. I'm like, I think that um, that makes complete sense that she was going to attack me with a pencil. So I, got, I was stabbed with a pencil while my sister, my mom, was like, Angie, like, when I, like while she was. Oh, she, she
1: managed was, to do it.
2: Yeah. So my my, my mother, my, she she did stab me with a pencil uh but it, it was just like sticking in my leg <laughs> and then my mom my mom was like you know with my sister and like she's having she's having a reaction <clears throat> to the medicine they took t- took her to the doctor but during that whole period we were having experiences at my home and the st- the the house was uh sachem road so like there was a lot of native american yeah. <laughs> backstory to it connotations uh, yeah, and yeah and um so there was a lot of stuff going on but i i re- clearly remember seeing red glowing eyes in the window. And this is around the time of like Amityville Horror, not to age myself too much. So I was like, oh, it's gotta be like Jody the pig or so, you know, like, like something from Amityville Horror. Uh, but yeah, so it's one of those things that I just kind of revisited later in life. And I think that um, the hat man has been with me most of my life.
1: Did you see the movie as a child? Amityville no. Horror? I that would be terrible as a child.
2: I, I will tell you this. so a lot of my experiences with scary movies because I was terrified as a child of like the shining of mm. anything that was scary. And I would so my my friends on the school bus would uh, read all like they would they were readers and so they would they would read books and they would say, oh, this is what happened in the shining. they would give me like a play by play of what happened in the shining. <laughs> and then I started like that actually inspired me to start reading books. So I read, like the book to Amityville Horror, like as a young child, like when I was around like 10 or 11, um, I read The Shining when I was a young child too. So I, I, because I was terrified of watching it, I would actually read it. But I think that that did uh, kind of like lead to me being, ultimately being a writer myself and an author. Well, I
1: would think Mm. so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so my next question is, given that you're, you know, you're clairvoyant and very sensitive, I'm wondering why it is that you got into the paranormal because a lot of people do it with the idea in mind of you know, increased celebrity, or sometimes it's just a, a matter of having the satisfaction of demystifying the unexplained. But I know that you've got another aspect to that so why is it that you pursued the paranormal
2: well the the paranormal pursued me I I, I okay. didn't pursue the paranormal I think that I mean I was a journalist for 20 years before this yeah. I actually used my gifts as a as an investigative and journalist mm. I did a lot of entertainment stuff too um, mm. for example one of the things I did is I wrote about made in Massachusetts films and I, oh. a website called loaded gun well the thing is I was able <clears throat> so the thing was people would go to my to my blog to Boston to find out what where the movie was filming and where wow. I guess how I figured it out. I use my abilities to figure it out. So people are like, how do you know all this information? And I would, I would basically, I would actually use my abilities to kind of like predict where the filming location was gonna be. I've done it also with, uh, with, cool. with uh, true crime stories that, oh, I, yeah. that I worked on as a journalist. So I did use my gifts throughout that time, but it wasn't until about, uh, so 12 years ago I got sober. Uh, so sober from alcohol, I, I drank a lot uh, for most of my life to basically drown out the ghost. Uh, and then when I got sober, my whole life kind of opened up, and my clairvoyance uh, got stronger and stronger as I progressed, and. Um, and so it's one of those things that, like, once I uh, stopped drinking, I started realizing that, hey, this actually—I'm not crazy. It actually is something that I'm experiencing, yeah. and, it, and I just accepted it. And it's not
1: DTS. Yeah,
2: obvious. yeah. And so I'm not to the ET part, yeah, because like I'm terrified of aliens, and we so said DTS. Uh, oh, yeah. DTS. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. DTS. <laughs> we don't ET's have to talk exactly. about
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's funny. Well, what happened? Okay, no, go, see, go ahead. No, no. <laughs> um, Oh gosh, I forgot what I was going to say. So when you were a journalist, you weren't. Were you focusing on history? It wasn't necessarily. It wasn't the paranormal at that time, though. Right? I would always
2: write the paranormal themed article in October. So um, oh, okay. there was a period where I, I I was also a TV producer during that time. So. Uh, so I was a television producer. I was in radio for a while, uh, mm-hmm. and then I did print as well. So I worked for like Newsweek, New York Times, okay. um, and uh, and also like websites like MTV.com and that sort of thing. But what I, what I um, during that time though, I did focus on. There was a period that I was the editor of a newspaper uh, in Florida. I went back to Florida for for two years or so, and then I would always write the the Halloween theme story. I came back in two thousand seven mm-hmm. uh, to Boston. And then I wrote um, an article for Stuff magazine, which doesn't exist anymore, mm. uh, and uh, it was on haunted hotspots in Boston. And that led to my first book, Ghosts of Boston.
1: Oh, I'll be darn Okay, yeah, that's interesting chain of events how that developed. Well, then um, I was asking you about you know what the satisfaction is, and you did mention as being a producer on the haunting that you're able to mentor the people who've experienced these things. So the, the hauntings and and whatnot, the paranormal. So, could you elaborate on that a little bit?
2: Yeah. So I, um, so I was on a haunting uh, season ten, and I was the one hundredth episode, so it was kind of a big deal. And I know the oh, whole right. process of working with producers to tell the story and tell the story as correctly as possible. Uh, so I, um, I, you know, I talked with my producer at the time, uh, who ended up being one of my like my coworkers this year. And so this, it was like this um, process of discovery and kind of like walking through what happened and reliving a really horrific situation uh, that happened to me that was recounted on on the 100th episode of a haunting called "Provoking Evil." Oh,
1: so it was you that it happened to.
2: Season 10. Okay. All right. So, uh, but season 11, they're like, they're like, hey, we're we're looking for an associate producer. Okay. My good friend Laura Marini, who is the the showrunner of of the show she uh, asked me to be an associate producer. So my role was to find stories for season 11, but yeah. also to, uh, to to talk to the people like I was talked to as as a subject. So by having, having been on the show, I was able to kind of coach the ones that are now on season 11, and you're seeing that uh, unfold on the Travel Channel Discovery Plus every Friday night.
1: It was your t- job to vet them then?
2: It was to vet the stories, but also yeah. to uh, let them know that it's emotional. Like when you when when you have a situation, like with my situation, I had an attachment and it really killed me. Um, so when you have something that horrific and you're talking about it and reliving it, it does dredge up emotion. And so my job really is to is to revisit something that's painful, but also like but viewing it that, hey, I know this is going to be painful for you. Uh, what happened and kind of digging for the information as as a journalist. I use my skills as a journalist to, to, to kind of probe for information, but also do it in a way that's that's um, loving and and, and yeah. supportive and, and also like a, a respectful of, of their experience.
1: So the content and the trajectory of the episode was up to you.
2: Um, so the season 11 uh, was based on not, not every episode. I, we have a team of people that focus on yeah. it. i worked on several episodes within season 11. Uh, so I would uh, first talk to uh, people that had it, stories, it, whether hmm. they came through that I knew or people that, um, that were that passed on to me. I, gave, I talked to them Mar- on the phone usually uh, and then and sort of said, hey, this is actually gonna work for yeah. an hour long episode of A Haunting. Uh, and it has to be twists and turns for an hour long. If it's just a, um, a segment, then it's th- yeah. not as much as, as involved. So you have to have those twists and turns that you need for an hour long show. Um, so when I got to that p- part, you actually talk to them and, hey, are they actually credible? You know, And like, that's something you have to consider. Like, Are they someone that, um, th- do I think this really happened? Yeah. And, and a lot of times, I mean, I, I, think more, I think if you sit down with somebody and you actually have a conversation with them, you can kind of sense whether or not they're, they're telling the truth. And sometimes the stuff is fantastic, like way over the top. Yeah. And and it's like, did that really happen? You know, like, 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 like I, I don't say that to them, but like, I, I'm kind of thinking that in the back of my mind. Like, did that really <laughs> yeah. happen? And a lot of times, like when it comes to the paranormal, yeah, this is a television show, so you have to kind of make it work for the TV show. When I say that, for example, I was on A Haunting season 10, um, there was a period where Joni Mahan reached out to me and said "said Sam, and Joni Mahan's a, an author, and she was also my co-host on Paranormal Rewind, um, she's like, Sam, did you, um, something's wrong. I know something's wrong. And she sensed that something was wrong with me. Um, and on the show, they had her like banging on my door, like, Sam, let me in. Uh, <laughs> and, and the recreation.
1: Dramatized it just a little bit.
2: Dramatized it a little bit. So mm-hmm. the, when I say drama, like certain things that were dramatized that worked better for a TV show yeah, yeah. versus what happened in reality. Because the reality, she actually reached out to me on, on, on social media. On social media. Uh, and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't think so, Joni. Something's going on, you know. And she and she immediately called Michael Robichaud, who's a, who's a shaman. That's
1: right. I remember he helped her. He helped her. Both of and, her
2: and she's been through it, too. So she knows what what, what I was going are. through. And that's that's kind of the same thing that I feel like I'm paying it forward with the season 11 uh, people that were featured in season 11 of A Haunting. Yeah. Um, because I was helped, and I'm helping them. In some cases, I actually did step in. Uh, yeah. They like the haunting continued with them, and they're like, "What should I do?" I'm like, "Well, I have a demonologist friend that can help you, you know, or I have yeah. a you know a priest friend that can maybe help you uh, cleanse what's going on in your house." So not only was I kind of like a like a therapist, but I was kind of like a um, someone that helped them, uh, you know, with with their situation, yeah. and and every situation was different. We had yeah. one that had dolls that yeah,
1: that's season 11 isn't
2: it yeah season 11 and, and my good friend mary jo chudley and i and she's someone that i knew about the dolls and i'm like mary jo get those dolls out of your house now and i've told her this over and over and over again I love her, I love her very much, but as you see in the episode of A Haunting, she's enchanted by those dolls. So how do you like word it where she's, you know, you're still friends after? Yeah. <laughs> because I really, I mean, I've, I've always said, like, get those dolls out of your house, but, well, why, like, but you'll see in the episode why she holds on to them. Always blaming on the dolls, right? Yeah. yeah, blame it
1: on the doll. Well, I wanted to get more into that, but that season 10 was about you then and your attachment. Was that right? Right.
2: So episode 100 and season 10. So every season has us 10 episodes. And okay. so uh, Mary Jo is an episode in season 11 and yeah. she is um, an episode that um, I, is near and dear to my heart because she and I talked about it from the very beginning and we, um, we created the episode together.
1: So if that's the, the Devil Dolls, right? If that's the episode. The
2: Devil's Doll, yep, yep. Well, and,
1: didn't you say that anybody who came in contact with them became sick?
2: Yeah, it was it was horrible. It was a horrible case. And, um, you know, this is a show, like, so I'm a producer and you can't really get, and I'm also clairvoyant. So get, when you're working with these cases, you're gonna see and hear things because you're talking to people that are actually in the middle of a haunting. With Mary Jo, uh, I knew immediately there was something wrong with the dolls when I first saw them. And I'm terrified of dolls too, to make it even more- <laughs>
1: Dolls and clowns dolls,
2: the Dolls and clowns. And so this like this doll, I'm like, Mary Jo, I care about you, but that doll is like bad, bad news. And so she, um, but she got sick to the point where she almost died.
1: You mentioned a blood disease or something?
2: So she had a, a really, um, really bizarre, like, chemoglobin drop mm. and she was rushed to the hospital and almost like that, the the doll was like an energy vampire or like a blood sucking vampire, and so she she had a near death experience after taking the dolls into her home. And other people in her life have gotten sick too. So whether it's the psychic uh, that Scott Davis, who came in and actually um, kind of kind of figured out what was going on with the dolls, and he's a clear audience, so he was hearing the messages coming from. Was the, he right? From what was coming from the dolls and what was attached to the dolls. and then um, and then also we have James Anita, who's a demonologist who I'm friends with as well, who came in and did uh, basically did a, a cleansing with with one of the dolls. I mean, we, we identified that one of the dolls was actually the one that had was the negative energy attached to just it. just one of them. right. The other one had it had a human spirit attached to it. <sighs> Uh, But the the one that was was identified and put into basically like an Annabelle-like box uh, and blessed because it was that bad.
1: Wow. So were both the dolls cleansed? Was he successful with exercising the one doll that was... I will
2: say this. She continues to be sick. Um, And it's mysterious. We don't know what's going on. Uh, Her husband now, like I feel like it's going after specific people. And if you see the people that are involved with this case... They're getting sick too.
1: It's still active. Yeah. And she's hanging mm. on to the doll. Yeah. Where did she get the dolls?
2: She got them so on the show, and this is another example of, of where things have kind of changed. She actually got them in an online marketplace. Ah. But in the show it's it says that she was uh, she was looking at an ad, like a doorknob ad kind of thing, and she found that the but so it, it actually came from an online marketplace.
1: Like on Facebook? gotta be careful <laughs> yeah <laughs> What's your and, Facebook? And,
2: the, and the dolls like the like the thing is well, the reason why she was a, she wanted this like one of the dolls was that it was a, a madame alexander doll and she's like, she her her mother who recently passed uh was a madame alexander collector so she was kind of doing this in honor of her mother and i think that that's what why she's holding on to these dolls what,
1: what kind of doll was
2: it it's a it's a collectible doll called the madame alexander doll uh, is it like
1: a um, Raggedy Ann type doll, or is it more like a porcelain? It's like
2: a porcelain face, okay. like yeah, turn of the century, okay. uh, Victorian era looking doll, and they're they're highly collectible um and she she so she saw one that reminded her of what her mother collected
1: and there was nothing negative written in the ad about the doll was that right um so
2: looking looking at the the dolls like i I, i'm actually not sure if there was anything negative but the interaction with the doll man as we call him was (laughs) negative let's put it that way (laughs) the person that sold her the dolls was like you know get those dolls out of my house and she's like i just want the doll Mm. like that kind of thing
1: so that she actually gave him money for it
2: she did, but it was like, we're talking like $25. Yeah, uh, like so if,
1: 25 cents is more like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but oh my get gosh. Get those
0: dolls out of my house. You know, that's, that's kind of a hint right there, isn't
2: it? Well, I, well, she already had them in her house after this. So she call, She goes back like, what is up with these dolls? And she was like, uh, so he first was like, oh, they were owned by my grandmother. I just like, I don't have room for them. And then it went from that to get the like the dolls were horrible. They possessed people. This <laughs> like, whole like, it's
1: no joke though. Changes
2: story like, after she had the dolls in her house, and she also, I mean, she still feels really attached to them, and and it's it's sort of I. I I'm terrified of dolls, and I've actually held one of the, the good one, Gretchen. Did you? Uh, and I did, and I will say that it was an experience, and I was uh, really scared to hold a haunted doll. Did you
1: feel some sort of energy coming off of it? I the absolutely
2: doll? did. And, I, I, and also, too, and a lot of people may, when I was holding it, we had multiple pictures while I was holding it. And there was one that was like me kind of like terrifyingly holding the <laughs> doll. And okay. then there's another picture of my face being more like morphing. Uh, And then there was the next picture, was normal. Um, So,
1: whoa.
2: Yeah, I mean, not just like I, I channel, so I have seen that and have experienced. Be careful. I have seen and experienced it multiple times. Uh, So when I'm connecting with the energy, um, my my body changes, morphs. Willie
1: had an experience like that, looking in a mirror and changing, and people saw him
0: changing to a young girl. Yeah, at the uh, Shanley Hotel in New York.
2: Oh, and that's another location that I'm terrified to go to. I like, won't go. Yeah, I, yeah. and I, I, like everyone's like, because I, I do a, a podcast called Haunted Hotels with Sam Baltrusis, and they're like, right. like what locations, I, I, and I, I've been to the Stanley. I've been to I, like all the iconic haunted locations. I just came back from the um, the Plaza Hotel in Chicago. The Congress Plaza Congress Hotel. Congress Plaza, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and so I've been to, like, the most haunted hotels. She really yeah. terrifies me. I don't know there's why. There's so
1: many. Th- I don't know if it's just so much to, I happening. I used to go
0: out there all the time. It, it used to be kind of like my second home when uh, Sal still owned it. I haven't been since the new owners. It
1: was like six or seven years ago, right?
0: Uh, I don't think it's quite that long. It was a few about. years. But, uh, <coughs> uh, we're just about at the bottom of the hour, so oh, I'm told. So okay. it's uh, just about time to take a little break. And we'll be back in a couple of minutes All with right, our guests. We'll Sam continue Bell with
1: the haunted dolls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Talk more about the haunted dolls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll be right back. back, Sam. Well, back Thank Sam, you for being here once again. Happy to be back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know we love to have you.
1: <laughs> and we weren't going to kick him out because the show wasn't over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> So, we were talking about the haunted dolls, and I don't want to harp on this too much longer because I have a bunch of other questions, but why does she hang on to the dolls?
2: That's a. That's the question that everyone asks. Like everyone that she consulted with, that's been featured on the show. Like their ultimate conclusion is get rid of those dolls. And well, we identified that one has a human attachment, which I think hold on to that one. And that's the Gretchen doll. But the other doll with the really negative attachment, she has currently in a box. And mm. um, and I I I feel strongly that. Um, you know, the the, the boxes blast very much like how they handle Annabelle, but it's in her home. And if you talk to anyone that has haunted objects or collects haunted objects, the number one rule is to not have it inside your home, because it's going to make you sick. It's going to affect you. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, everyone says get rid of the dolls and she still holds on to it. I don't I mean, it's one of those things that um, I. I support her as a friend, but I also I, I strongly think she should get rid of the doll.
1: I think you were right when you said she's enchanted. I think she's that like it's almost like a spell being cast on her. Uh,
2: it, that's what's going on. Yeah. That's what I
1: think so too. Yeah. And then what about the other entity, really quickly, male, female?
2: Um, so it's kind of like a monster, um, and so it it, it it basically presents itself as like a. Almost like a, like a, with fangs, and also kind of like a, like a little monster. And this is like, I, I'm clairvoyant, so I.
1: Like, like an elemental, do you think? I, like an
2: elemental. And one, like, one would argue that maybe it was demonic. Another person would argue that it's maybe interdimensional. I'm in a school of interdimensional entities. Hmm. And so I think this is something that's interdimensional. I do think, and this is explored in the show, that there was a ritual of some sort used with this doll. Really, uh, and this has been picked up by multiple psychics. So, and we do explore that uh, almost. and It was almost referred to as a um, a, a, a reversal baptism, like sort of like like, a, like how you would baptize a child, you would do the opposite. Like it was something was used in ritual. And talking to people that I respect that deal with haunted objects, yeah. that's like the number one reason why an object would be enchanted or haunted okay. is if it was used in ritual of some sort.
1: Yeah. Well then, how do you differentiate between the demonic one and the other thing that's a monster?
2: Um, you, you don't. So some people would call it demonic. Both and, of them
1: uh, demonic. Some people might call them both demonic.
2: Right. I mean, like, I I think that um, I I strongly think that a lot of cases are not demonic. Um, that a lot of things things are misinterpreted as the D word. I don't even like saying yeah. the word. Yeah. Um, but I also think that. Um, that it's presenting itself, like if you were Ed and Lorraine Warren, for example, you would probably classify that as a demonic infestation. Yeah. Uh, I classify it as a an entity um, that may or may not have been human, yep. <laughs> you know, like yep. something inhuman.
1: Okay, so before we get away from a haunting program, I wanted to talk really quickly about the cop from Rhode Island that was experiencing poltergeist activity. It's kind of interesting when there's a cop involved in stuff like that. Because you get a... They're usually straight shooters when it comes to the
2: paranormal. Yeah, so this gentleman uh, was a former <coughs> cop. So he actually lost his job, uh, left his job. Uh, and his father was a... So he kind of came from a family of pl- police officers. So we, okay. uh, even having and interact- working with him and interacting with him, he still is a cop, even though he's not physically yep. a cop. Yep. But when he, yeah, it's when a
1: mindset, he, you It's know? a mindset.
2: When he walks into a room, you can see him scoping the room. Yeah, yeah. And even, like, when I was on set with him... I'm clairvoyant so I saw what he was dealing with and oh. this little this monster this little thing like a the attachment thing was running around the room and he 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 and I were like looking at each other cuz I was behind the camera and he and I kept looking at each other he's like do you see it I'm like I see it and so You mean he saw it too? No, he 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 hears it. He hears so it. I I suspect that that Joe uh, the gentleman that was a former cop is clairaudient and so he's like, and it, it would say things like, you know, you're stupid, you're, you're this, you're that, really negative things towards Joe. Um, and also he would attack uh, his wife, Donica as well. And so Danica uh, was a little bit more skeptic, but she started seeing what looked, appeared to be images, like um, someone writing in the, in the mirror. Like, so like, it, okay. like, some, like, 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 basically like messages in the mirror, yeah. uh, which is really interesting. Uh, so Carl Johnson and, and Elise were the ones that dealt with that case and brought that case to a haunting. Uh, and I was able to see Joe after the diagnosis. And it was actually um, it presented itself as demonic, but when, uh, when Carl came in, he actually said, this is a PK, which is psychokinesis. Yeah. Um, and so it's an outward manifestation of the turmoil that's, going, that's within. So almost kind of like it's, it's a poltergeist uh, experience. I saw it, um, I saw it, and I, I believe it was an attachment.
1: Well, I'm, I'm with you on that because it sounds to me like it was some sort of entity and not just uh, a frequency of, of PK. Right. I think it was like an imp or something, like a little devil to cause havoc.
2: Well, uh, whatever was running around the room looked kind of like, you were, you were talking like about like a dog, face. like it was like a it w- really like a, like it was like a dog, it a, felt dog like a dog face. A dog face. Yeah. And I saw oh. it. It had like really like messed up hair, like <laughs> like pieces of hair coming out. And Whoa. it kept running around and it had this voice that was like really squeaky, like, the Joey stupid, you know, like that. It was like this weird. It, it would just kind of go around the room. And he's like, do you see what I'm dealing with? I'm like, I do. Yeah, Like this is crazy.
1: <laughs> well, where do you think he picked this up? How did he
2: uh, out in the field? Um, I think that he so he was a police officer. Yeah. He actually had a, a near fatal uh, where his there there was a gunshot and the, the bullet kind of grazed him on the side. OK, uh, and he, like his hearing was messed up. I think it was around that. And we he and I talked about um, his past, and I was getting that there maybe it's like a human involved somehow with what's going on with him. It could be the guilt associated with the death that happened while he was on duty. Let's put it that way.
1: Well, do you think a curse might be involved?
2: Possibly. Yeah. I mean, okay. or, or there was there was a misunderstanding that he may have been involved with something that he wasn't involved with. Oh. Um. So the the spirit, the human spirit, that I was getting get, uh, kind of kind of coming in contact with while I was talking to him was someone that, that passed away while he was on duty. Uh, and he was he felt somehow that the police officer was responsible, that Joey was responsible. Uh, oh. And I don't wanna to get too personal, it's his story is sure. not my story. Sure. Uh, but I, I do think that there was something that someone someone that may have passed that um, so there was
1: resentment there on the on the part of the party that was injured and or passed away. That passed away, and yeah. maybe it was the result of negative energy directed at this man.
2: Exactly, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I, I I kind of I I'm like I'm like did, did this happen? And he's like, yep, yep, yep. And the thing is, like, he was he was there, but he was not when the the, the young man was shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was he was in the vicinity, but he was he was he would go to this situation over and over again yeah. uh, as a cop. And it was sort of like a trouble child that yeah. he would kind of come and like, you need to see out of trouble, you need to see out of trouble. And he ultimately got shot.
1: Oh, boy, that's unfortunate. How yeah. long was he bothered by this activity?
2: It's been going on for several years. Oh, uh, and to the point where he, and also, too, if you've seen the show, uh, he... I'd love to. I'll yeah, so he, he would, he would um, do things like he would actually use, like, he... Started watching shows to like to learn how to, to ghost hunt because he wanted to know what was happening. What, what
1: the heck it is? And you he wanted to, to basically fire.
2: validate the voices that he was hearing. And so he actually started doing things like like using a, a EVP reporter, like a like a digital Did reporter. He,
1: in the house. In the
2: house. Then he then he also used a spirit board. And you and I, we all know that that's not good. <laughs> and, and
1: that. By bad he means Ouija board, right?
2: Right. Okay. Yeah, spirit board. Uh, and bad choice. Yeah. So they were using it, and, and also while they were doing the spirit board, uh, they picked up the name Azazel. And so, so when you when you first hear the, what happened in their story, you automatically think that it was something demonic. Mm. But I I do believe that it's not demonic, but it's something um, something dark. But the the mischievous to and yeah yeah
1: yeah. Well, is he? Is he clear of it now? Do you know?
2: Um, So the diagnosis from Carl was that he, um, so it was poltergeist, so he has kind of like, that he basically controls what's happening in the room. So if he's in in an upset state or if he's uh, angry at his wife or or he's afraid, this thing will respond. I will say, having interacted with him after the diagnosis, um, I think things are definitely better for him and that's the conclusion of the show. Uh, but I do think that there, um, there may be a lingering um, attachment that's happening with him. And I actually was, I I was just kind of giving him some pointers on how to deal because I had an attachment. Too. Yeah, I'm yeah. able to recognize it, and that's what I mean. Like when I, as a producer on a haunting, my my job was to tell their story and not to in, insert myself into their story. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of help them, like on the DL. You know, like yeah. like, uh, like I I didn't I wanted to help them, but I also. I uh, didn't want to be part of the story.
1: Did you narrate part of this?
2: No, I, I mean, Sam? it's a TV show that's narrated by Tony Call, who's okay. a world-famous narrator. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I wish I had a, his voice. He's got yeah. a great voice. Oh,
1: well, so do you. It's just I wasn't sure what your part was in it, if you were doing that too, narrating for the-
2: No, I'm just an associate producer for the okay. show. So, yeah, so basically I-, I, I Put the story together, and I tell their story. Yeah. So I'm not part of their story, although in real life I really am part of their story because I'm I'm working with them. Intervening, (laughs)
1: sure. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Well, you've got another book here, the 13 most haunted hotels and inns of New England, and then you've got a newer edition. So, since we've got sort of a local audience, I wanted to talk about maybe the Colonial Inn for just a minute because you did post uh, something on Facebook, a, a short clip and you were going over the various ghosts that some people have seen there. So this is um, a really nice, ho- uh, well, hotel, yeah, in um, Concord, Massachusetts. So can you talk about that just a little bit?
2: Sure, yeah, so I um, I believe in immersion journalism. So I actually work at Concord's Colonial Inn, uh, and I do the overnight shift a couple of nights a week. Um, and the thing is, for me, like I'm there to do the research into to, to get to know the spirit. So mm-hmm. I do feel called to locations and sometimes I don't I kind of go uh, very, very like I'm kind of tentatively going there. This one, I feel like that's a very positive energy at Concord's Colonial Land. I think there's been some misinformation uh, that's been put out. And it, like, that's kind of what I think the spirits want me to to oh. to work on okay. and uh, and kind of digging into their backstory. Like my I'm actually working on um, pitching a book. On, on Concord's colonial end okay. to dig into the what, what really happened in 1775. A mm. uh, major player during the American Revolution. We know for a fact that there was uh, gunpowder that was stored at yeah. uh, part of the building. Um, there was one building, the section, so it was actually three structures that were kind of smushed together to create an end. Um, and then there was an addition that was added later on. But we do know the one portion was a part of the American Revolution, but was Thomas Minot, who was the famous doctor that worked in uh, that worked on the, that owned the building, but was he actually part of the American Revolution? Oh, and did he actually uh, bring in soldiers into the end? That's something that I'm looking into. Oh,
1: that's amazing! Yeah. What about the sighting of a revolutionary soldier? Is that well that well, What
2: if What if I tell you that there may not have actually been soldiers brought in to the end for period. Yeah, like they may not have been brought in. Uh, we know that there was gunpowder there, so it definitely when patriots were, were yeah, there, patriots. I have seen I have seen a red coat in Concord's Colonial End. Mm. I've also seen a child. I've seen a woman. Uh, so I do think that those spirits, that it's a spirited place. But the room 24, which is the most active room, mm. wasn't there in 1776.
1: Oh, is that the blue woman?
2: Uh there's a, there's a woman there's a woman there there and she there she's wearing she has like solid pepper hair I just call her the woman oh okay um, and so the the blue what's the blue woman
1: I think that's something else that it was referred to the blue woman I don't know if there's a lady in the blue dress in a window
2: there's a lady in the blue dress actually in, in Salem okay um, but Maybe yeah that's... so this woman she, I mean I think that her clothing like a, she has been reported wearing bluish clothing at some point okay but this woman uh, this woman had solid pepper hair she's in her 40s. Uh, and what she, period? I would say late eighteen hundreds. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep. that's what that's I, I would dark. say. Uh, I, I've interacted with her, and I, I would I would say just based on my interaction, she may have been um, may have been the previous one of the previous owners of. There was a period right before uh, in like the late eighteen hundreds before it became an end that it was owned by um, a certain family, and I think it, this may be one of the family members.
1: Okay. Um. So she is an active haunt and not a residual one, then, right? Because I think a lot of a lot of the
2: energy in Concord's colonial Inn is residual in nature mm. uh, because of what happened in, in the 1700s during the American Revolution. I think that uh, so the soldier could have been residual. Mm. Um, I think that what we're looking at in some cases may be what we call thought forms. Uh, th- yeah. So well, I which... mean, if you investigate a location over and over again, you're going to create a ghost.
1: You know, I, I find that hard to believe, but like Andy Kitt of KRI, he believes that that can be done, and I'm, yeah. th- I'm still yeah, and, out on and that and
0: Shane one. Shane was another <coughs> one. Shane was another one that was...
1: Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Shane. Um, that, you know, you can create thought forms. I know that there was a, an experiment done where a group of people created a ghost and then a psychic came in and identified the ghosts that they created. Yeah, the,
2: the Phillips experiment. The Phillips was, experiment. And it, it was also recreated on Kindred Spirits. They did at, at the Oliver House. I, I found that that show was really frustrating because I, I mm-hmm. feel like that I know that the ghost that, that of the Oliver House in Middleborough is haunted, and they almost kind of like overlooked the actual hauntings, mm-hmm. and they wanted to focus on this experiment. Um, so I, but my here are my things. Like the, the spirits that are at the in Salem, like the Lady in the Blue Dress, there's no historical backstory to her. Her yeah. story's told over and over and over again. So I think that she may have been created like, by telling her story. The, the soldier at the Concord's colonial end, there, what if it wasn't actually a place used for uh, operations during the, the Battle of Concord and Lexington in 1775? Um, what if there's no historical backstory to that, and like uh, uh, people have seen it, and I, you know, I believe them when they tell me that they yeah. saw a soldier, and it's been reported by multiple, multiple, like including Joni Mehan. Okay. Yeah. So multiple people have seen the soldier. Why would they be there?
1: Well, then, how could you differentiate between a thought form and an actual ghost?
2: That's a really good question. And History
1: is about the only thing,
2: maybe. if you can
1: find historical evidence
2: yeah so a thought form and a lot of people like well if you can like people create thought forms they don't know they're doing it it's not like that they're intentionally creating thought forms you do Uh, believe that i do yeah i do okay yeah i think that that energy is very powerful Hmm. and i i i think that the lady in the blue dress like i've seen i've seen her image uh like i've seen photos of this lady in the blue dress i know for a fact that that she probably did not exist but where did like who was she or 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 she like she's an, a spirit that's taking that's basically taking that role yeah
1: yeah
2: and I, that that could be I, that too i could go
1: with that and so
2: when i when i say that I, I i i believe that it could happen the thought form idea um i just i i think that it's a case by case yep and i i that's like the last thing I go for, but I will say that, there's a, that, that there seems to be more of it than we want to admit to. Hmm. Okay.
1: Well, um, we'll leave the Colonial Inn right now, and we'll go to the Lizzie Borden house. Um, you found out that you're related to the Borden family.
2: I am, yeah. So my mother, who uh, was a genealogist, she, she, when she retired, she started doing ancestry.com, and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yay, mom, that's us good." <laughs> I was so. Uh, oh, she, she she loves to. I'm a, I'm a historian. I got it. My mother, my stepdad was a history teacher. My mom, oh. my mom was definitely like. Um, she she loves history. She wanted. I asked my mom like, what does she want to be if she, you know, like when she grew up? And she's history like, teacher. She, well, no, she, my mom my mom wanted to be like a, a crime scene investigator. Oh. And I'm like, okay, mom. <laughs> I'm like, I'll, I support you in your crime scene investigation. So instead, she started doing ancestry.com, and it turns out that we the first the first juicy was that was we were related to the Putnam family and the Putnam family uh, with were,
1: the with the witches. No, that,
2: the Putnam family actually were the bad guys during the Salem witch trials. So they were responsible wow. for, uh, Ann Putnam Jr. was my distant cousin, responsible for, the, for 62 people who were accused of witchcraft in, in Salem. And when I found that out, I was, like, I was devastated. I was like so heartbroken that... Well, uh,
1: what position was he in? Was he a judge or, or what? He just accused people?
2: No, Anne Putnam Jr., so she's a, a girl. She was a, a, a yeah, afflicted the, girl? Yeah, the okay. young. Was, she was a young girl that was part of the girls that accused innocent Oh, women. okay, I see what you're saying. So she was an afflicted girl that accused... Yep. And, but her dad was the puppet master, and so uh, Thomas Putnam. And so I do think oh. that... So so I found that I was heartbroken. So she's like, I have something else that I have to tell you. But I, I'm like, you're not taking this very well, Sam, so I'm going to hold off. And then so she waits after... And I'm like I'm like okay mom I'm ready what's going on she's like well in addition to the Putnam family we're also related to and I'm like I'm like okay mom tell me tell me <laughs> Lizzie Borden and and, and I, I I started crying Aww. I am I'm like imagine well, it's, it made my whole life make sense you know what I mean <laughs> And so I like it was just like like I, I mean, I've been on the show before. What did I talk about? The dreams that I had over and over again. I was
1: going to ask you about that.
2: Uh, uh, over and over again about Lizzie Borden. Like and this is before I knew I was related to her. And yeah. I'm like, Mom, prove it to me. <laughs> I'm like, prove it to me that we're related. I mean, it makes complete sense because I mean, I told you about my sister earlier with a pencil and yeah. just my mo- My mother had has a side that I just kind of like go like that, and she could just kind of snap <laughs> on a dime. I'm like, okay, Lizzie Board makes sense in our family. Um, so. She she did. So we're related to her not once, but twice, we're related to um, the Eliza? Earl family. What?
1: Eliza? So no, or Eliza
2: not? actually was not blood relation. Okay. Yeah, so was it her husband though? Her husband, Lodwick. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so he, he was, he's related to us. Okay. So yeah. And and when this sh- I was on Curse of Lizzie Borden and they actually said that I was a direct descendant. I'm actually not a direct descendant. She was a cousin. Uh, she didn't okay. have any children. So I can't be a direct descendant of Lizzie Borden. Um, And that was just their misinformation, Um, but but I but we are we're definitely cousins, not once but twice, and maybe even three times. Whoa! Yeah. And
1: um, to clarify, Eliza it was Eliza Borden,
2: right? Yeah. So she actually married into the Borden family, uh, and so she she would have been an an auntie to uh, to Lizzie Borden. Was she
1: a great-aunt or not?
2: A a great-aunt.
1: Great-aunt. Okay. And she had three children or two?
2: She had three children, and and so uh, Eliza Borden lived next door, and so we kind of known about this case, yeah. uh, sort of, like not a a lot of information about it, except for that it was literally right next door to where the the murders took place in Fall River. Right. Uh, um,
1: I mean, the properties were contiguous, right?
2: They were. So the land, the land was yeah. contiguous, And so you can even, like, when you look at, if you go to the house now, you can actually look out the window and see where, like, the, lo- the land where Eliza lived with her husband. Yeah. So she, um, so it turns out that she actually uh, killed two of her children by putting them down a well. And the children would have been my distant cousins as well. So yeah. I'm connected to the children. Yeah. Maybe more than I am connected to Eliza. And, and
1: one of them lived correct? one of them
2: lived but the thing is I do think there's a third child haunting the Lizzie Borden Ben and breakfast and oh. I think maybe it's the little the, the sister or it may have been uh, maybe Lizzie Borden's uh, sister that she had a sister that died um, oh, I didn't when, know that. when her mother ha- so it could be like one of the, like her actual sister okay. so there's there are three children at the house or there were three children at the house
1: so you have not only investigated several times but then you made the movie. The, the, the documentary the shock doc on the curse of lizzie borden here, so um, I, I'd kind of like to talk about that too. Um, so we got over um, Eliza.
2: Well, the, the part that I, didn't, I the, so at the very end, so she kills her two children, she walks upstairs, and she takes a straight razor and cuts her neck. Yeah. Um, and so. Very why,
1: disturbing behavior.
2: Why? Why would you do that? I mean, why? Why would you do that? And so. The the gist of the show, and I, I think I've told the, on this show before, um, I always have thought that there was something darker that was responsible for the murders, and I think that may have, there may have been a, a possession um, of some sort. I think that that um, I've I've always thought that there may be something more sinister at play
1: because it, it is such deep, deep evil to take a hatchet to somebody and kill them, and that was two people, not just one. Right. There's got to be something really deep-seated that's evil.
2: So. Yeah, so she's small-framed. If you look at her frame, like, there's, I do think she did it. And everyone, like, that's the number one question. Do you think Cousin Lizzie killed her her father and her stepmother? And I'm like, I I do. But, you know, was it dissociative disorder? Was it, you know, was she? Possession. Was it, like, a? I mean, a lot of people want to talk about the sexual abuse that may have happened at the house. Mm -hmm. I do think that there was sexual abuse. Yeah,
1: I think there could have been that but, might have been the reason that she
2: Does she snapped yeah but i also i also think that i've had an attachment i think that i you know it's kind of like taking the blame off of the murderer so it's like do i think that she did it i'm like i think she did it but was she responsible for doing it but i do think that she's gone she was like if, if it's similar to what happened to me she was going in and out of consciousness
1: I think she was predisposed to that kind of behavior only because this woman is such a great representation of the true Lizzie. Oh yes. Yeah. Unbelievable. So,
2: yeah, the actors playing the, the actual people did an amazing job. And the woman that played Lizzie Borden like looks identical to her. She did
1: and, identical. And I
2: know. The woman that played Eliza, the woman that I channeled in the show, uh, she did an amazing job too, and I'm like, You captured that emotion that I was feeling. Wow. And I, you know, when I watched the show over and over, like I, I've watched it. When I first came out, I was watching it. I'm like, I can't believe I, the, that happened because I didn't know what happened uh, mm-hmm. when I was channeling. So I was, I was yeah. out of consciousness for a, a while. And I mean, seeing me cry, like, like I mean, I'm, I'm like, crying really emotively. And I'm, I, you know, I said this to Dave. I'm like, that wasn't my. Pain, it was her pain she
1: was uh, running through you
2: but it was running through me and it was it was taking me over and I, it took me a year to get over that I mean like why would why if, if, why would someone put themselves in the situation and feel that much pain to, to be on a show you know like, mm-hmm. and it's like one of those things that like looking back on Curse of Lizzie Borden I'm glad I did it I feel like I was called to do it I was supposed mm-hmm. to do it uh but I don't know I don't put you through hell I don't having a camera follow you while you're like ugly crying <laughs> it's not it's not it's not fun you know yeah. and so I just pretended like the cameras weren't there and I had an—I had a mission and my mission was to help these spirits and the, the the spirits that I was supposed to help was not like not Lizzie Borden not Abby the the victims or, or Abigail or sorry Abby uh, Abby not Abigail um, and, but it was the children. I was supposed to help the children. And like, that was my role. So I, when we were there, the spirits, and this, this was during COVID. So the spirits in the house were really wanting to cross over and- You
1: think this was Eliza's children? Is that right? I or really do, do. Okay.
2: I really do. Okay. Um, I think it's Eliza's children because I, you know, I, I knew that there were children there before, but I yeah. didn't make the correlation until I actually channeled yeah. Eliza. And when I channeled her, it was like, Okay, um, those are your children. And, and the thing is that one of the children followed me home. So after all this, uh, so we, I do, there was one child, and this is the one that was the, the infant child. Mm-hmm. She was holding up the child to the light. So Chris and I worked together um, where we did a, a beam of light to heaven, and she was holding the child up uh, to, to heaven and like take my child. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It was beautiful.
0: Yeah. Incredible. And you know what? I hate to have to say this, but. We just got the two-minute warning. I know, so. I
1: know. I did want to say that uh, Lizzie, I think, is predisposed to being mean, so this is why I think she might have been easily taken over, because she didn't like Abby. She they, she and Emma never accepted her into the family. I, so I think there was kind of that predisposition, and it was a way to work out her anger, but I think it got carried too far, if that is the case. I mean, I think it's a possibility.
2: I mean, if you, if you really look, and that's the thing, Like, if you really look at her life, um, she left, uh, after the murder, she left a miserable, she led a miserable life. I mean, yeah, she, she, did. She, w- she was like kids with their rocks that are in a collar, you know, like Lizzie Borden took an axe while she was alive. Yeah. Uh, so, and she stayed in Fall River yeah. uh, and like, she's stubborn. Yeah. So she was like, I'm, I'm going to stay in Fall River and I'm going to you know, accept this. And also too, like she, um, she loved animals. So she like donated, she started, created like what could have been like the, like what was like the first um, animal society. Yeah. Uh, so she she was a good I think I really think she was a good person I think she was a misunderstood person um, maybe you know, maybe she definitely she had, definitely had some mom mom issues uh, she yeah. lost her her mother yeah. and so well, I think that on. there was definitely like you're not my mother to Abby yeah. and she probably had she called Bridget you know she she like she was like almost like she was like beneath her yeah um, and there was there was potential like, like was Bridget and and Lizzie in and C- and cahoots and I mean like, possibly. But she, yeah. she called her Maggie, you know, yeah, Maggie. And, like, and Maggie was a derogatory word, like name. It was like she, she called it. like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not a good, positive thing.
1: Okay, so we have to know your vital information, how people get a hold of you and your books. So if you
2: want and- more information, go to sambaltrusis.com. It's B-A-L-T-R-U-S-I-S.com. My books are available on Amazon, and hopefully local bookstores carry them as well. Uh, and if you want any of the shows, including the Curse of Lizzie board, you go to uh, Discovery Plus and the Travel Channel, although the Curse of Lizzie board is only on Discovery Plus. Okay. So it's a streaming service that has pretty much all of my shows.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. All,
2: right. all
0: right. Well, Sam, thank you once thank again you so for much. joining us.
2: Thank you. And, Always interesting. Uh,
0: speaking of haunted dolls and stuff, yeah. next month on the show, we're going to have Cody Ray Desbians and Satori Horse. And they're uh, hopefully going to be bringing some of the uh, haunted objects from the paranormal couples haunted museum. Yeah, do you want to come and watch?
2: Absolutely, <laughs> and I can't wait to be part of the U.S. Asylum. I'm going to be giving oh, a lecture like on uh, on the Sunday. That's so right. I can't May wait
0: for that. 22nd, 22nd. Sunday. I'm
1: glad. Thank right. you for mentioning that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Sam. Thank it was you. a pleasure. Thank
0: you, Sam. And uh,
1: it wraps up another episode. That is it
0: for this <laughs> month, and we'll talk to you all again next month.
1: Okay, bye everyone.